Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, guys. Bill Spadia here. Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. This is an ongoing part of our series, hashtag Speaking COVID. Today's guest, somebody that you've heard on my morning show, Dr. Craig Wax. He is a family physician residency trained who has been practicing medicine literally for the past more than two decades, right, Doc? How long have you been a family yeah, physician? Thank you. I'm I'm older than I look, <laughs> whatever that means. Thank you. So, I, Doc, I wanted to bring you back, and I want to thank, first of all, my friends at Flemington Car and Truck Country for continuing to sponsor the Speaking Podcast, and hopefully all of you are getting a lot out of this. We try to bring you as, uh, as much informed opinion as possible um, because there's a lot of noise out there in the media. So, Doc, I wanted to bring you back. You and I spoke briefly a few weeks ago on my radio show about the vaccine. And one of the things that you said, which only in today's crazy COVID world would this be controversial, but you said the vaccine may not be for everyone. So if you could just elaborate on that. Sure. Well, a lot of different um, uh, politically motivated groups, um, uh, some people in industry, um, things like that, are tending to recommend the vaccine for everyone, that it's a panacea, that it'll, that it'll cure COVID-19, it'll prevent everyone from getting it and what have you. And you've done a really excellent job over the past year. Kudos to you and your staff, because I know it's hard work 24 seven and you gotta suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune when you start speaking truth against uh, big money and big power. So when it comes to the immunization, it's really not for everyone because COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 is the virus we believe that causes that disease symptomatology um, is, is not a major problem for children. We've seen that world over. In fact, our schools should be open full tilt, you know, as, as you brought and made the point and thank you for that. Um, and, and most of society should be open. I mean, the people we should be concerned about are those primarily demonstrated to be at risk. Those over 70 years old, those in nursing homes or otherwise confined, or those with multiple inflammatory conditions, um, diabetes, previous heart attack and stroke, MS, um, different bowel diseases, Crohn's disease, things like that, which are all autoimmune or people that require frequent steroid or immunomodulatory, big words here, so, um, different shots. Doc, immunomodulatory, that's my word of the day. I'll, I'll uh, be posting, I'll be tweeting about that later. Uh, let, me, let me ask you, it, it is complicated. And, and sadly, we look at the numbers in New Jersey at the time of this recording. So today is uh, um, February 17th. And at the time of this recording, we are talking about day 339 of 15 days to stop the spread. The We've captivity. seen the vaccine rollout. Uh, in Florida, they just topped a million people, which accounts for about 6% of their 21 million person population. In New Jersey, the number is only 370,000, and that accounts for about 4% of our population. But 
So if you've got four out of 100 in New Jersey and six out of 100 in Florida, yet we're seeing hospitalizations drop through the floor, we're not seeing, all we're hearing about is a rate of transmission, which in my opinion is quite a meaningless number if your actual sick people are uh, dissipating and, and going away. So the question is, has this shown from your uh, perspective as a physician that we exaggerated this virus, we overplayed, overreacted, and it naturally started to mitigate because how do you explain it going away and 96% of New Jersey is not vaccinated? Well, it is, it is indeed interesting and, and you make some good points. I mean, it's, it's a very contagious virus. We've seen that time and time again. There's multiple people who have had it, don't even know they had it because COVID-19, as I said, is a continuum of disease. That is to say, there's many different varieties that people see as to how they respond to it. There are, for example, there are people that may be exposed to it, don't get any symptoms and form antibodies. There are people that may get exposed to it, have a cold, and form antibodies. There are people that have a flu-like syndrome and get exposed to it and, and develop antibodies. There are people that are worse and develop pneumonia and need to be clinically treated and develop antibodies as well as cellular immunity. And then those, there's those that are life-threatened that get respiratory distress syndrome, which is immediately hospitalizable, um, and uh, different blood clotting problems. And that's those, the, that is the primary issue here. It's not, I mean, if you think of it like any other virus, um, like influenza, for example, which we've been living with for a hundred years, um, we're pretty much used to the fact that, yeah, it's gonna come, it's gonna stay, and it's gonna go. And some people are gonna pass, those at risk. We've tried to develop some immunizations with regard to that but there are different kinds of immunizations. The, the new COVID ones is a different way of doing business with the mRNA, trying to get you to make some of the virus's protein. Now, technically you can't get COVID-19 from the mRNA immunization, but people with the first shot and especially the second shot have had a few days worth of um, discomfort or worse. And again, that's a continuum too. There are people that have no side effects from it. And there are people that get severe side effects from it. They get fever, they get muscle aches, they feel like they have COVID, although they can't because technically it's not a live vaccine, but it does get you to make the protein from from the bug. Those the bug, it, essentially you're making yourself sick to deal with it and overcome it and build the antibodies. Is that how it's supposed to work? Well, the thing is, is you're, you're making the protein and you're trying to get yourself to be a little less reactive to it so that you're not going to overreact. You know, it's kind of like, forgive me for saying everyone's got a mother-in-law and mine is great, but you know, a little dose here and there is not a problem and you're fine. But if you get a whole bunch at once, it, it can be, you know, it, it can be day changing, if not life. I wanted to say, if I just quickly, is there have been cases, hundreds and hundreds of cases of people that got the immunization and passed away within hours and days. And I actually was talking to a, a colleague this morning who's a pathologist to try and get a handle on that because if somebody dies two days after their second immunization, was it the immunization? Was it mm -hmm. some other problem they had? Was it something else that we didn't even know that they had? So why it's is this not being talked about in the media? 
to determine that. So when you do a postmortem or autopsy, it's really hard to find someone that died of a total inflammatory process. It's, it's very hard to pin down. So I think the argument of did people die of the second COVID shot is going to be a very hard one. There are going to be people that say, yes, absolutely, 100% stop it. And there's going to be people saying, no way, must have been something else, forget it. And that's the, the bipolarness of the whole COVID experience. But, but, where, but where do you fall from a, from a, a science perspective? I mean, the, the Norwegian health officials came out and said early on, uh, right after the rush of doses, they identified 23 people who had died. Well, they said- regard to Pfizer, believe, BioNTech, yes. Well, they, right, they, they said that they believed, initially the report was that the health officials said, we think at least 13 of these 23 died directly after getting that um, that immunization. And, and then within a few days, they downplayed it saying, well, we don't have scientific concrete proof. Uh, you know, correlation is not necessarily causation. On the right. flip side of that, and I want you to answer this, I'll let you, uh, you look at what the state of Nevada did when it came to detailing and, and listing COVID deaths. Anyone who died, their words, anyone who died, from natural causes, died from natural causes within 30 days of a positive test counted as a COVID death. So on one hand, correlation causation, if you have COVID, that's what killed you. But vaccine, that can't kill you. Right. Well, there's there's a lot of hypocrisy and it depends on which side of the fence you're on. There are people that say immunize everybody. And there are people that say, wait a second, this was rushed out the door, totally new technology walk, walk gently, you know, and that's why, you know, I was trying to, you know, say that, that seniors or people that live in nursing homes or people with autoimmune issues, they should discuss it with their doctor because this vaccine type isn't for everyone. And there are problems and people have died shortly thereafter. So mm -hmm. we, we can't say that, oh yeah, it's definitely, or, or it can't be. So the question has to loom really large. And frankly, and honestly, if you're a 30-year-old, 35-year-old healthy person um, and you have physicians that can do early treatment for you with all of the generic medications and supplements that we've got, why would you chance taking something that your body might be allergic to and you could develop a long-term problem or, God forbid, pass away? So what did, what do you say to your patients? And you brought up mother-in-laws. Uh, my mother-in-law recently right. moved with I us. apologize. I apologize. I'm so <laughs> well, sorry. So I've got a positive story. My mother-in-law is going to be 79 next month. She has just moved in with us, and she is not going to get the vaccine. And now she's having this conversation with some of her friends who are COVID crazy. They're scared to death. And she can't she sleep till I get it. I've had anxiety patients yeah. who are 40 years old says, I can't sleep until I get it. And like, okay. But how, what do you say to her? So let's say uh, hypothetically, my, my mother-in-law uh, is talking to you as her, as her physician. And she says, what do I tell my friends? They've, they're going to get vaccinated, but I'm not uh, to allay some of their fears that, hey, you're not a super spreader. And I said, mom, unless you show up coughing and sneezing, you're fine. So are they. In, in conventional infectious disease, people that spread disease are the people that are symptomatic and they're manifesting the disease. They're sneezing, they're coughing, they're, you know, 
manifesting different behaviors. Maybe they're sweating or they're cold all the time. You know, they're manifesting behaviors because we, we share these, back, these viri um, on a daily basis with each other. I mean, I don't handshake anymore. I do fist bumps because I like the contact with people because I think it's important as far as our humanness, but I don't want to give them every single germ that I have. But by the same token, our immune systems are built to fight. We're built to fight. And I think Italian grandmothers say this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because we probably had at least at least one, maybe two. I do. You've yep. got to eat a pound of dirt or you don't get out of childhood. Uh, actually, Doc, um, not only my grandmother would say that, and you know, we kind of raised our kids that way. You don't over sanitize. You don't have hand sanitizer at every turn. It's ridiculous. Well, let me, I can mention, I can actually speak on that because I predicted 20 years ago when we went cuckoo for triclosan and all of the other agents that they put in hand sanitizers, it only kills the easy to kill bacteria, thus leaving the harder ones an open space to live. So if you think about it, you're doing yourself a disservice with hand sanitizer, in my opinion. Now, good old soap and water is a good way to get rid of old skin cells and things. But if you constantly keep putting these selective poisons on your skin, you don't have the normal flora on your skin anymore to protect you from the bad guys. And the flora is what? Good bacteria? Yeah. Good, good bacteria. We've got them all over us. I mean, lucky well, we don't have electron microscopes or we wouldn't even get near each other. You wouldn't get out of bed and you wouldn't talk yeah. to anyone. And that I want to ask you about that. I get fist bump. Maybe it allays people's fears and anxiety. Uh, I refuse to do that. I only shake hands. And, and, okay. and the reason is somehow we have survived as humans for thousands right. of years, uh, embracing sweating, breathing, sneezing. I was talking to somebody the other day and I'd love your perspective on this. Sure. Uh, you walk into a restaurant. Now, we now know, even though contact tracing is very flawed and most people don't participate, they give fake numbers that not the 75 percent, according to the governor of New Jersey, don't participate. That said, they in New York and New Jersey, or at least in New York, a report came out and they said less than one and a half percent of the cases can be traced back to a restaurant experience. And which is showing that they should be open 100 percent packed and, and back in business. That said, Sure. People say, well, it's because of mask wearing. And I said, well, now, wait a minute. You are literally going from the door to the host stand to the table with a mask. Then the mask is off. And if you've ever watched people eat and talk, laugh, there's all kinds of stuff flying all around. Sure. So I said, actually, doesn't this prove the other point? that without the mask, you are actually living in a natural human environment. And unless you are medically compromised, you're actually better off. Yeah, so um, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it would have been much easier and, and much more sane for the governor here and the governors elsewhere to say, you know what, we're gonna back off to, we're not gonna close, we're just gonna go with 50% and just see what the trial does. And I think that would have been a sane way to do it instead of saying everybody closed. Now we'll go with a totally insane 25% that the restaurateur can't possibly support. And to your point, you don't get the normal exposure back and forth. Think about taking your muscles to the gym, right? If you want to get bigger muscles, you take your muscles to the gym or you do bicycling, you do something to increase muscularity and, and throughput for your system. It's the same with your immune system. Imagine if we locked everybody in a castle keep, 
you know, they wouldn't have any immunity whatsoever because they wouldn't have that constant back and forth that you're talking about. And besides, you know, you've, you've got to have some Italian food now and again with that yes, someone else made it taste. Yeah. Ah, the someone else made it taste. Very important taste. Exactly. So where do you see it going from here? I, I have talked to a number of docs, actually, even before the pandemic, when they first started talking about the hand sanitizer, to your point, I had a doc on and said pretty much the same thing, pounded dirt. The hand sanitizer is wiping out the good bacteria. You're actually, um, you're, you're stripping away your natural defenses. And I have said to people, that's why I don't obsessively wash my hands. It feels like we've created an entire generation of OCD sufferers now who are not going to leave their house. They're going to walk around between the chapstick and the, uh, and the hand sanitizer. And we're in trouble. Where does it go from here? And what are your uh, doctor colleagues saying to you? Are they in despair that we're never going to get out of this? Or is there hope because normalcy may actually return? Well, it's interesting. Doctor colleagues are somewhat polarized like people and others. You know, some people are saying, lock everything down, castle keep until we have everybody immunized. So that's one side. The other side is, is like myself, get things open, learn from the experience, let our immune systems do their job and go for early treatment. I mean, there's, there's a, a ton of emerging information myself and other physicians um, have championed. I mean, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, azithromycin, doxycycline, ivermectin, um, N-acetylcysteine, um, prednisone, aspirin, all of these things, vitamin D, who could forget? All of these things work to some degree. They're not for everybody. They're not perfect. However, we can prevent most hospitalizations in this way. And as you point out correctly so, people that get a mild case may not need any of it, frankly and honestly. So you've got people that are going to do well anyway just because of the nature of the coronavirus itself and their risk factors that are unique and individual to them. And then there are people that get sick that, that should have early, and I use telemedicine for it, so we're not spreading it on purpose in the office, obviously. You know, we do, we do a good job with trying to, to, to separate known sick people, but we would do that anyway. I mean, if we right. had somebody come in with chicken pox, we would put them in a special room. We wouldn't, yeah. you know, just have them sit and with other people. For what, do you, what accounts for the panic, Doc? I mean, the World Health Organization, too, I mean, although they lack some credibility, they do have some uh, very smart doctors working with them. And uh, they also came out, this is just a few months ago, estimating that nearly a billion people at the time, they said 750 million people had it, and that would put the mortality rate somewhere in line with the flu, 0.13 compared to 0.11. Um, we know this spreads faster. Does that not indicate that we actually have a weaker disease than for most people, especially when it comes to children, than influenza? And if we called influenza novel influenza, which it is every year, it's a new, new strain, uh, right. we could have had the same panic. How do we start to pull this back with education uh, and well, calm? The, the, well, the thing is, is the thing that basically led the panic, of course, was politics, power, and money, which are, I guess, the three things that, that power most things, unfortunately, you know, in not just our society, but the, but the entire world. We have done more useless testing for this 
specific organism, SARS-CoV-2, than any other organism at any other time in history. I mean, we have never tested so much. And if you think about it, let's say we tested for the common cold or influenza every year, everybody, everybody could just get a discretionary test at the local pharmacy at whim. We would be overwhelmed with millions and millions and millions of cases, and we would be closing things and scared to death. And you know, not to not to belittle those that that have gotten sick with COVID nineteen and those that have passed away. I'm not trying to say it's nothing for those at risk. It's certainly a formidable enemy. However, for for most people, it's it's not, and and that's and that's an even bigger issue because. You know, when the governor comes on every day and says, well, we have another million cases and blah, blah, blah. And, and a case just means a positive test to, to the people in politics. It doesn't mean an actual clinical disease entity. So I tell my patients and I, I'll tell everybody, if you have certain symptoms you're concerned about, call your doctor, do telemedicine and see if he or she is comfortable with what we call the early treatment protocol. And you can go to C19 treatments Dot com, and that should provide you with some more information. Of course, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the app symbol, Dr. Craig Wax, D-R-C-R-A-I-G-W-A-X. And there's actually a great video if you want to see it on, on my own practice website, healthisnumberone.com, health, I-S-N-U-M-B-E-R-O-N-E.com. At the bottom of the front page, what they call the landing page, there's an interview with a colleague that I've worked with and some other physicians from across the world. Um, we've all worked together. Um, Dr. Peter McCullough um, of Baylor uh, in Texas actually granted me a 25 minute interview talking about this very topic because this is not only not the worst disease in history, but it's very, very treatable. And unfortunately, big politics, big money, big power is telling you otherwise because forgive me for saying, they wanna sell vaccines and intubations. And I'm not trying to ascribe any other motivations to it, but you can't get out something through the FDA, through emergency use authorization, if there's cheap, generic, or over-the-counter things that work. And in certain countries, hydroxychloroquine's over-the-counter. Yeah. Well, not only that, I mean, you look around, I've said this before, I said, when you see uh, the culture in China... Um, you know, with the mask wearing and my friends who live here who are from China, I've had this conversation with some, they said, you know, we wear masks in China, not because of viruses, it's because of the pollution. That's how that really started. Because there's smog, my daughter spent uh, a month in China uh, some years ago. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, the air is not clean. I mean, they're a huge pollution country. And then, you know, they adopt the mask thing. And then you look at Sweden, with, with no masks, not on public transportation, not in the schools, and they barely had a second wave. I mean, I, I think it almost proves the point that to what you're saying, not the worst disease in history, incredibly treatable. Uh, I, uh, I just got back from working out, so I'm, I, uh, you know, and I know that is part of the regimen that keeps you healthy, and the idea that we close the gyms, I got to tell you, Doc, I, I, I've been doing yoga four to five times, hot yoga, Bikram yoga for um for the, for the past few years, I've never felt healthier. I don't get the flu shot, not because I'm opposed to immunizations. My right. kids are vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. I used to get the flu shot. I stopped after I started hot yoga, and I have not had the flu in the past three seasons. So I I just don't know. I, I, I don't know why there's such a resistance, because most people, Doc, 
are not making money on the vaccine. It's a select few insider millionaires. I don't know if you saw the Wall Street Journal today. They uh, published a report saying that uh, the insiders in the big pharma companies sold stocks like crazy in the past year and, and you know, took in uh, half a billion dollars. I, I just, you know, it's not the average person making money on this. So what do you say as we wrap this up? Give me a, a your prognosis on when does this end? When are we? When are we back to a normal that would mean I'm walking into your office, I'm saying hi, and we don't have masks on? Right. Well, I I think we're 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 getting to that point. We're still having some hospitalizations, and as you were saying, hospitals are not overwhelmed, but there are there are some significant cases there. Again, people that didn't get early treatment or were imprudent to begin with. I mean, you know, if a patient has bad cardiovascular disease because they didn't go to the gym, they didn't eat right, they didn't exercise, they didn't take vitamins, they, they were heavy, they, they were imprudent about their own personal health. Those are the people that do the worst in this, aside from the seniors, certainly, because, you know, we found out obesity is an epidemic. So having said all of that, I think that, that over, the, over the coming months, I mean, because masks are borderline helpful, if at all. I mean, the, the data out there is, 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 is not adequate to support mask wearing for healthy people. And we've never really done it. I mean, I wouldn't have bashed it as a trial. I mean, certainly we've done an eight month trial now and it really didn't change the course of anything. So, you know, the government answer is to put another one on and another one on. Isn't that crazy? Two masks, not one, two. Well, at that point, you have COPD. You can't breathe out. I mean, imagine trying to run on a treadmill or run outside where you don't even need anything outside. Outside air is as healthy as you're going to get. You know, you can't breathe out against such a thing. So, so I think we're coming down to the time where, where masks can go unless you're, you're sick and you, you have to be out. You don't have any other choices. Outside, I don't think masks are necessary at all, frankly and honestly. And we're, we're working on getting our waiting room open because, you know, for months now, after we, you know, converted to telemedicine temporarily completely, just to make sure we understood the disease process, then we now opened up the office. We see 80% of patients here in the office now, um, and they wait in their car, and then we call them to come in. And it's not an efficient process, but it makes them feel better, and it, yeah. you know, it helps with the staff and stuff, too. So we're working toward getting that open. Now, for people with COVID symptoms, we're still doing 100% telemedicine for those folks. If you have respiratory symptoms, you think you have the flu, you've lost smell or taste, which is the slam dunk symptom mm-hmm. in this thing, um, we get on with early treatment. And within 10 days, we can, we can turn someone around rather quickly. And, and, and it works for most people. And that's good news. So people tend to do well, but there are risk factors we have yet to understand, like blood type, for example. Um, I had COVID-19 myself back in December, and mm-hmm. I would quarantine myself in my home for, for two weeks. And I was on that um, new treatment protocol I was telling you about mm-hmm. with, you know, with uh, $100 worth of, of generic medicines and supplements. And, and, and it could be even be less if, you know, you're not taking the full complement of things. But having said all of that, I did rather well. It was a complicated time with a lot of symptomatology. But the good news is, is with early treatment, not crazy testing of everybody and, and their dog, um, I, think, I think that's the way we're going to get back to normal. Uh, and I think that you know the governor and others 
need to face the facts that without open public schools, our society fails as a whole. Schools do not spread disease. Kids are not super spreaders. And if teachers are gonna get it, they get it from their personal lives, forgive me for saying, they don't get it from their school teaching lives. Well, we, we saw that, the most concrete evidence of that was in Sweden where they showed 1.8 million kids, not one died, they've been open throughout. And the teachers, according to the uh, health studies there, based on the, the teachers that taught those 1.8 million kids, 57% less likely to need hospitalization compared to others who were working professionally. So to your point, you're right. And I wonder when the study will come out to say actually being around those kids who are sniffling and rubbing their nose and everything else actually is a positive to help you overcome. It's a built-in immunization. Doc, ask in anybody who works um, with, with young kids in a preschool or first grade yeah. teachers, they, they will tell you that they got everything that came down the pike and they built their immunity. And to answer your question, herd immunity is the big thing. And we're not going to build herd immunity just because of vaccines. They're trying to tell you the only way to herd immunity is vaccines. That's 100% wrong. The way to herd immunity is for most people that are susceptible to have a mild battle with the illness or get on early treatment and get it taken care of. We still have to protect the elderly and those at risk. Not, don't get me wrong, but that's what's going to build major herd immunity because this virus travels faster than the vaccine does. That's a great and the point. vaccine doesn't block you from getting the virus, by the way. Right. It may block you from having major symptomatology, which may help with transmissibility, but we don't have that data to say that happens. Doc, always great to talk to you. We'll certainly do this again uh, soon and stay in touch and I'll have you back on the radio show. Thank you for your insight, your expertise and your time. I know you're a busy guy. You got some sick people to go take care of. So uh, thanks. I, I always thanks. appreciate your Can time. Can I get a fist bump for all your good There things? we go. <laughs> I'd right, like to shake. Can we, is that it? <laughs> I'll give you a virtual shake, but I'll give you a fist bump for real. Thanks again. Doc, great to see you. All right. Oh, Be well. Pleasure. We'll talk soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.